you really need to define reality for people. And I have spent this year doing that because this year did not look like the last three years. It looked like years past. And so, you know, really educating people, helping them learn how to think about what the world really looks like right now is important. Now, at the same time, I think it's a leader's responsibility to like not lose hope or let people lose hope. And so you have to be optimistic too, which leads into the other lesson of you have to believe that the future is going to be better than today. This is To The Point, a Rhino experience, voted one of the top home services marketing and operations podcasts, cutting through the bullshit and getting to the point. Hey, what's up To The Point listeners? It's your boy, Cristiano, the host of To The Point Home Services Podcast. And I've got a live guest in studio today. Always my favorite when somebody's actually sitting here looking at me in the face, trying to know or understand what is he going to say? What kind of tricks is he going to pull? I'm not going to pull any tricks, I think. I, could, I might have a couple of tricks up my sleeve, whether I use them or not. Mm, I don't know. We'll see how, how it goes in the podcast. But I have my friend, my new friend, Claire Ferrara. Say that right? Ferrara. Ferrara. Uh, Ferrara. Damn it. So I already jacked that part up. I heard it like a couple different times on some of the podcasts I was listening to, so I should have known better. Yeah. How do you say my last name? We're starting off strong. You know how to say my last name? Do you even know my last name? Probably not. Is it, is it Yano? Oh, sh- damn it. Oh, that backfired on me. Yeah. Well, good job. You got it right. <laughs> so <laughs> welcome. Thank you for coming in. What's cool about this is I learned that Claire's mother lives here in the Valley, but not just here in the Valley, which is a big, you know, it's a big population here. But we literally live in the exact same country club. Yeah, you're neighbors. Like, we're neighbors. Yeah. I'm on the HOA board. I'm going to tell her that. So she knows who to call. <laughs> but not the country club HOA board. That's the fancy folks. I'm on the other side of it, the park side folks. Uh, but yes, we are We are family who live in the country club. Pretty cool. So uh, I want to jump into the podcast a little bit. Before I do that, I always like to just share a little bit about the guests, you know. And, and, and I always try to relate a few things. One, where are you at? Um, you know, where are we at in our journeys together? Like, where, is there something that aligns? Where are you at? Like, uh, you with, with the business, like we talk, we have conversations about the upcoming year. Um, I just try to think like, what are the things that I can talk about right up front? You know, cause I like to give the listeners an idea of who you are before we jump into business, before it gets all business like, mm-hmm, okay. Sure. And the first thing I thought about was, you know, uh, here in Arizona as a, a big Arizona Cardinals fan, we give you guys a nice little gift. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings, a nice little gift by the name, by the name of Josh Dobbs. So he came in there, he sucked for us. Uh, and then he goes to Minnesota and he, and he puts on a clinic, except for the uh, L you guys took to the Broncos uh, on Sunday. So uh, what that, well, like a single point one. So I'm not sure how much you follow football or not, but that was a gift Arizona gave you. You're welcome. Yeah. But hey, everybody will say, we got Kyler Murray back. Woohoo. Super excited about that. And so to our listeners, I guess, by the way, this the time this thing airs, it will have been the previous week, but Christmas is right around the corner. Uh, you're listening to this now. We just went through Thanksgiving. Uh, hopefully you had a lot of fun. Hopefully travel wasn't too much of a pain if you were traveling, but Christmas is right around the corner. I'm a huge Christmas fan, by the way, like really go all out, deck out the house for Christmas. Anybody knows me, I'm like, I'm like Clark Griswold at Christmas time. But what I'm really excited about is at Rhino, we throw one hell of a Christmas party. We call it a Christmas party. That's what it is. Well, why didn't I get an invite to that? Well, cause you're not a Rhino. Like, well, maybe do you, I'll come back. Oh, well, you're going to come work for us for a day. I'm is that what that's I like? Know, I okay. I mean, maybe, maybe the options there. I guess we'll, we'll have to fill it out. So our Rhino Christmas parties are epic, by the way. So last year we brought in 
an artist called Nelly. You ever heard of Nelly? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, it's getting hot in here, right? It's literally getting <laughs> hot in here. Do we have like or, a temperature reading? Or in her. Uh, you know. uh, before that, we had Florida. You know who Florida is? And then before that, we did the tribe. This was like 2020, so which was like the super weird year. That The fact that we had somebody come and perform in person was like really crazy. But when mm-hmm. I tell you the artist, you'd be like, oh, that makes sense. They could use the dough. It was a mixture of Young MC, Bust the Move, uh, Tone Loke, and then Coolio. God rest his soul. So we had a little Gangster's Paradise that year. It was pretty interesting, yeah. So we got like this little trend going. So we had to switch it up a little bit. There's a lot of hip hop in there, right? It's a lot of fun. It's Christmas time. Like doesn't hip hop just like scream Christmas to you? Of course. (laughs) So this year we switched it up a little bit and we have, we we made it a country theme. So now we're going to get our boot scoot boogie on, not necessarily with Brooks and Dunn, but we are going to have a little fun and it's a country theme this year. And we brought in a newer artist who's one of my favorite artists, guys, like top five. Like if you go to the lake, you listen to this guy. Okay. If you're going camping, you listen to this guy. If you're just like, like summertime, this guy's got all the right vibes. And it's a guy by the name of Nico Moon. You ever and we're picking on them guitars yeah. just right. Everybody singing Dixieland delight. Like a bobber on a wet line. We just trying to have a good time. So Nico Moon's like been on my list and he has like a bunch of good songs. He's written a ton of songs, songs for like Morgan Wallen, Zach Brown band, like a bunch of guys. So we bring him in. He's going to throw down with us. And that is in like two weeks. So it's amazing. It's going to be a very, a very solid Christmas party. I'm excited for it. Um, I'm excited that you, Claire, are coming to Rhino X for your first time. I'm excited. Are you pumped about that? I'm way pumped. What are you most excited about besides getting to hang out with me a little bit longer? I don't know if I'm excited about that, but uh, really, gosh, you have some big names, I think, probably going to be there. The learning we're going to have in that room. Um, you've got legends on the ticket, and that's probably what I'm most excited for. Cool. I'm excited for you to experience it all because that is what the X stands for, is experience. So before I jump into things real quick, too, Claire, welcome to the podcast. This is not your first podcast, but it will be your best podcast. And for those who don't know, Claire is the owner and president of Standard Heating and Air Conditioning in the cities, also known as the Twin Cities, also known as Minneapolis and St. Paul, you know, up there in Minnesota. Uh, (laughs) Also, I really tried to find a clip that had somebody saying Minnesota in it, and it's really difficult to find. But I wasted like a solid 15 minutes trying to find something I liked, so it was a fail. And then I thought, maybe I'll play the little... uh, skull like chant you know and horn and yeah. then I, I forgot i wasted like a solid 30 minutes trying to figure some clips out that were pointless but you're here welcome are you excited i'm very excited thanks for having me okay so i want to talk about this real quick because i've been in this game for 15 going on 16 years of owning my business and working with the trades like working with contractors like yourself long time lots of stories i've been through lots of different paths i went through the 08 the 09 stuff i've been through all sorts of things with contractors but one thing I always love to do on the podcast is share the history behind the guests. And there's clearly some history behind Standard. Standard was founded in 1930. Yeah. 1930. Long time ago. Long time ago. So I was like, man, 1930. And I'm a big history buff, by the way, which is I like sharing these things. But you actually bought the company from your dad. Was it 16, 15 or 16? No, so I came back in 16. And was it 19 you bought it? 19, I became president, and then February of 20. Oh, so like, lucky. Like a month before COVID. Lucky. Yeah. So I jacked that one up. Dad, Todd. Ted. Ted? Whatever. We're really off to a Fuck great start me. here, Chris. Todd's to my uncle. Start. Todd is my uncle. Ted is your dad. Yes. Todd's your uncle. Yes. So, but it's third generation, right? Like, got that part right? 
Yeah. If it's fourth, well, then there's so, some. So I'm third generation ownership. I am fourth generation to work in the business because my great grandparents worked with my grandpa. Damn. Okay. So 1930. Yeah. When I, what's the first thing you think of from the year 1930? I think of the Great Depression. Yep. So was it like, hey, this seems like a great idea. Like, the, we're in the Great Depression. You know what we should do? We start should, a business. We should, we should throw it all up in the air and just start a business. Yeah, so my grandpa's parents actually got him into this. So he needed a job, and somebody came door knocking on their home to repair at the time what was their furnace, their sort of heating structure in their home. And my heating gran- structure. My, <laughs> my great-grandma said... Uh, yeah, if you give my son a job, because people needed jobs, I will hire you. And so they trained him. And by 1930, he was like, I got to do this for myself. Now is as good a time as ever. Classic entrepreneur. Wouldn't you love to have hung out with him in 1930? Oh, I think about it all the time, actually. Uh, The stories that I've heard of his earlier years are phenomenal. And I did know him, but he passed away when I was in eighth grade. Got it. So, so I want to just, before I get into your, to your, more of your story, cause mm-hmm. I, we are for sure going down that path mm-hmm. because I'm a history guy. Like we were talking, you know, uh, pre-podcast too, about this new speakeasy that we have up where we live. I'm a big into speakeasies again, cause yeah. it's tied back to history and, prohibi- and prohibition. Yeah. Um, and so when I looked at 1930, there's some actually pretty notable things that happened in 1930 besides standard, you know, <laughs> standard becoming a legit business. Big news. Did you know that Pluto was discovered in 1930? I did not. Now you know. If you don't know, now you know. Uh, We'll leave it there. Did you also know that Mickey Mouse made his first appearance, not in flicks, but in a comic book? Did not know that either. Okay. This one you're for sure going to know. So, Looney Tunes first aired. Do you... A lot of people listening right now remembers that. Like us poor folk, what we did, we grew up in the country. We got up on the Saturday mornings and we watched cartoons. Yeah. Looney Tunes is like a staple. Mm-hmm. Okay, that was like our entertainment. But that was first aired in 1930. KFC was born. The Colonel. No way. The Colonel created Kentucky Fried Chicken in 1930. I'm learning a lot today. It was the end of Prohibition. Al Capone was finally arrested. Amazing. For... You know, all kinds of all kinds of things. Um, first ever FIFA World Cup. Uh, Uruguay beat Argentina. Argentina's still been in it. Leo Messi. I doubt he was playing back then, but could have been his great grandpa. They're defending champion now, aren't they? That's true. Yeah. And then the first nonstop flight from Europe to America. It was thirty-seven hours. Oh, wow. That's a really slow flying, big ass piece of metal in the air. Like that would sketch me out a little bit. Yeah, I don't think I'd get on the plane. But still, I say the most important thing was it was the birth of standards. So clearly. So let's jump into it. So before, to, to let our listeners know a little bit of who we're listening to, um, maybe just go ahead and share right out of the gate. Hey, where is standard today? Just so they have an idea of size of business so they know kind of what they're listening to and where you're coming from. And then let's go back and talk about some of the, your come up and, and how you got into the trades. Uh, you're a female in the trades. You're a, uh, a sibling in the trades. You're a uh, one of the children of an owner in the trades. Uh, great, uh, so all these things, which has some uniqueness to it, and I want to get through all of it. But where is the business today? Since you guys are not backed by private equity, you're, you're one of the few standing in the private sector. Yep. But but share with the listeners are where you're at today, and then a little bit of the uh, of the come up on how you got into the trades. Yeah. So we've got about 130 employees today, uh, a revenue of around 35 million. We are solely HVAC residential retrofit. No new construction, no commercial, no plumbing, no electrical. 
130 of us good for you on HVAC. Good for you. <laughs> uh, and we are in the Twin Cities, Minneapolis, St. Paul, like you mentioned, uh, and third generation ownership. So to go back a little bit, though, we've had kind of three distinct eras that got us to where we are today. My grandpa, who founded us, 1930, entrepreneurial, ideas, vision, great with people, not so good with the business. My dad, who is like the ultimate businessman, crazy with numbers, A-type, perfectionist, competitive, sent himself to Harvard. To who, are you, his, who are you more like? To get his MBA. I'm, I'm kind of in the middle. I've been told I'm a bit in the middle. That's called a unicorn, and I'm not sure that you <laughs> could think... technically be in the middle. <laughs> Why not? Okay, maybe you are. Maybe you're a unicorn. <laughs> um, but he sent himself to Harvard at one point because he felt like he wasn't doing a good enough job leading our business into the future, and it did change who we were as a company. So he brought process. He brought professionalism. He brought values before those were a thing everybody put on the wall, right? And then now there's me. And I'm more about change management because it happens faster, more often. I'm more about the people, right? We talk about being in a people business, a people industry, but you really have to dig deep there today in a way you didn't 20 years ago. So I've had to be a combination of them, but each of us has served our business the way it needed to be served now. Feelings are involved now. They are in a very different way than they used to be. Not a bad thing, but Not you got to know how to, how to manage that. 100%. Yeah. I mean, that's... I, I went to a, uh, a conference and somebody was talking about, well, what do you think about like your Gen Z employees? Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, it took me some management training to learn how to manage that because I will say this and I'll probably get beat up for it, but I air it out there. I'm not soft. And some people are raised a little more softer than I would like. Sure. So you have to learn how to manage to soft. Like, but- but those people also have to learn, you know, to manage up to maybe what would not be considered soft, That's right? Really so good. Yes. it's kind of that everybody has to learn to appreciate the different perspectives today. Got it. So, so take us back in through your journey. Like you didn't just mm-hmm. get handed the keys and be like, here you go, clear, kick some ass. Like how did this no. whole thing go down? Like you got into the trades and I mean, wh- like take us down the path. So maybe if you can like pinpoint a few of the, like the year markers along the way, that'd be helpful. Yeah. So, uh, I did grow up going to work with my dad, you know, on weekends. Uh, and then my bus stop was actually the business. So when I was in like elementary school, middle school, um, I got dropped off and picked up there. So I was around a lot. You mean at the business was where the bus stop was? Correct. Got it. Yes. That worked out. Yeah. Yeah. So I was around a lot. Uh, I was 14. The first time I learned to answer the phones, I was uh, 15 when I worked the parts counter and got into accounting when I was 16. Uh, When I was 19, though, was a turning point for me. I actually worked with the installers. I was an apprentice and we built stuff in people's homes. And that was like the cool factor for me. And that's when I decided I wanted to come to this business. Was that your choice to go do that? Or or was it just like, hey, you go and like learn this? Was it my choice? It was your choice? Okay. Yeah. I I showed up and I'm like, dad, I want a job. You know, what, what can I do? Uh, and so they sent me out with the install crew, like, let's see if she can figure out tools, right? Hey listeners, was your 14 year old doing that? <laughs> <laughs> Mine wasn't. Well, I had a cousin who like the first time they gave him a drill, like it went backwards and he cut himself and it was like a thing. So I think they were like, I don't know, let's see if other, others of the kids can do this. Uh, and I liked working with my hands. I liked building something and to see the customer appreciate what we did. I'm like, this is it, man. Like this is where I want to be. So I was in college at the time, more traditional four year degree and I showed up and I was like, dad, I want to go to trade school when I'm done and I'm going to buy your business from you. And he and my uncle were like, no, 
you're not going to do that. Like you should go do something else. And I'm like, no, I'm serious. So I went out and hired a family business consultant and showed up again and was like, we're figuring this out. I want to know what it looks like. And that's the A type. Did they know, did they know that you were, did you know that you were doing that? No. You just did it. Yeah. Good for you. Thanks. Uh, And my mom's (laughs) actually the one who told me, you know, who to hire because that consultant had worked with them because they have eight siblings, Ah. eight other siblings, like 20 years earlier. Okay. And so you hired them and they went in and you guys pitched your what? You pitched the the business plan? What did you do? Yeah. So it took two years actually. Okay. And he worked us uh, through a whole set of like agreements as a family. Like how are we going to show up and what do they need to do and what do I need to do and what's going to make me eligible to come back and even have the opportunity to buy the business. It wasn't guaranteed I got to buy it from them, just that I could show up and try. Got it. Okay. So uh, a couple things. Um, one, I love that cause it kind of, it does show a little bit of your personality type, you know, mm-hmm. but also like a little bit of your perseverance, like your willingness to get it, you know, to do whatever it takes to get it done. Like yep. that's a driver, right? Mm-hmm. We need, we need those type of people in business to like, I'm, I am actually, I think we talked about this ahead of time too on my color code. I'm a, uh, a yellow red, um, which basically means I want to have a lot of fun. Yep. Um, I'm willing to be high risk, try all the fun things, can be a dreamer, come up with all the ideas, but then I'll also do it. Mm-hmm. You know, but I won't think about all the shit that can go wrong. That's my right. biggest downfall. So you need people like that who know how to like pick through your things. That's my wife for us. Like she sure. can pick apart literally everything that I put out there, which allows us to kind of come to a common ground that we feel good about. But I knew what I was, right? And and it was a I'm a I'm a guy that can be the visionary, figure out everybody else's, you know, vision and how do I fit all that into mine and then I need somebody to help me execute. You can do a little bit of both of those things. Depends on the day. Seems like it. But that's pretty impressive. So when you told that story, I thought it was great that, uh, that you would share it on here because it, sh- it tells the listeners a little bit about kind of who you are, your personality type. But you didn't just get, like I said, <clears throat> handed the keys to this thing. Like you had to work through it. And anytime you come in as the daughter or son of an owner, mm-hmm. uh, you immediately have this tag on you, right? Of like, oh, okay, there's entitlement. There's the whatever. Kid. No matter what you say, Yep. About, oh, nobody's giving, I'm working for it. You have that regardless. So you also have the fact that you're a female back then, right? Like it's mm-hmm. becoming you know more known now, which is great, you know, or at least more out there now. Yep. So you had both of these things. Did you get any pushback from either one of those two things? Like any significant pushback from you, one being the daughter or also being a female coming into the business? Yes and no. Yeah. So before I came back to my family's business, I worked in the commercial world for a while and there, there was some straight up harassment and intimidation that occurred, but not by the majority. The majority of people were very supportive and saw me as like this young kid who wanted to learn. And so I had some fantastic mentors. Um, when I came back to my family's business, I would say, you know, I didn't really take any flack for it, but the eyes were on me, you know, and you could tell, like when I spoke, it was like more people listening. And I just knew if I was going to mess something up, everyone would know about it in a way that wouldn't maybe happen with other employees. Under a microscope. Absolutely. Got it. So you got to develop a little bit of calluses to kind of work your way through it. hundred percent. You know, um, you know, it was, and I'll, this will segue into my next question, but um, that actually also builds a lot of character in you um, to prepare you for leading into an, a hard market uh, or a competitive market because you're kind of getting this grit to you a little bit that you had like you had to work through it arguably harder than maybe a, a, a son would have to you maybe. know so um, and anybody who listens to the podcast knows like my opinion on this like Rhino 
of all the employees that we have, we're 70% female. So awesome. I'm the CEO of the business. That's the title that they gave me. My wife really runs the show around here. You'll meet her. You'll figure it out. Like she is by far the driver, the integrator, the financial, the operations. She's a fantastic human being, but together it works. Yeah. Now today we have a lot of great leadership. So that does all of these things, but she, you know, doesn't like to be like, like we call front of house. She always wants to be, you know, in the mm-hmm. background doing the things. And then this year I've pushed her into being front of house because she's so smart. And, she, and she's done a lot, accomplished a lot of things. And I, so I'm like pushing her to the forefront. It's like, hey, people will listen to you because there's something to listen to. You've been at this 15 years working with some of the largest contractors in the United States of America and helping them be successful. Let's talk about it. Because that doesn't matter if you're black, white, red, brown, male, female, none of those things. Nope. So, and that's how I, I love to uh, have conversations about folks in the trades in general, instead of it being a male, female type thing. And so I'm only going to ask this question to you one time, you know, and we talked about it a little bit, and I think I said, I wasn't going to ask you this on there, but I'm going to do it anyway. But I'm a champion of your answer, which is why I want you to, to share with the audience. Uh, what is, what is your view on women leadership in the trades? Not just women getting into the trades. We know you're a champion of that, yep. but women leadership in the trades. What is your view today? That it is an exciting place to be. And I'll tell you why. I think we have the opportunity to change the narrative. I frankly am tired of this men versus women right. narrative that it doesn't even include everyone today. Uh, but I think women leaders can bring perspectives and ideas in a diverse way that maybe the industry hasn't had before in order to make it better for everybody. And that's what I think it means to be a, a women leader in the trades today. Got it. That was like your pageant answer. It's not the pageant answer. I, I mean, truly, I'm sick of this, like, pit me against the males, um, make it all male, female. Um, that, like, that shouldn't be the conversation anymore today. That doesn't help us move forward anyway. Totally. And so, like, we employ humans, we serve humans, like, let's make it better for humans. And as women in the trades, you know, we haven't been represented here before. That's no secret. But so we can bring other ideas, diversity of thought, like, let's do that uh, and show that we can add here too, right? But it takes everybody working hard to do that. Uh, and in my experience, women have to work just as hard as the men, right? But there's plenty of men busting their rear ends out there too. So I want to quit with that other narrative because I'm sick of it. That's the answer I was hoping to get. That <laughs> yeah. was the money shot. Yeah. Well done. All right. Now we're going to get past that. And we're going to start to move into some more like operational things and things that might be able to let our listeners know. Um, hey, you see what Claire's about. She wasn't like gifted a business. She came into it. She worked her way through it. You have an idea that she's got this A-type personality. She's willing to get things done. She's willing to take chances, um, but she knows she kind of comes from good, like a good line here, you know, in the family, good genes. Okay. So she's been able to accomplish some things and prove that she's someone worth listening to. Otherwise I wouldn't have had her on there in the first place. You have a 30, you. You know, a $35 million HVAC island replacement and service business in the twin cities. Yeah. Nothing else. You weren't like, Hey, you know what? Shit got hard. Let's add on plumbing and make it even more difficult. Or like, let's throw an electrical while we're at it. Or, Hey, this person, you know, I can acquire this little cut. You stuck to your guns on HVAC. I'll get to that part later because I'm trying to figure out where you're going from there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to jump into some of the things. Like the conversations I love to have or I've been trying to have on the podcast uh, in Q4 of this year was around this unstable market narrative. This year has definitely been challenging across the board in the United States of America. Yep. Not every place, but the majority has been challenging. Yep. It's been more of a grind than before. Sure. And so you, but you can either be like, oh, it's hard and you know, I'm not doing anything or because- Last time I checked, you're still going to go to sleep and wake up tomorrow. 
God willing, right? Yep. But and you have a business to run, so you still got to make a decision, and you have people relying on you, including your family, if you're a one truck person. Yep. You know who's counting on you to make good decisions. And what you can't do is nothing. Correct. So, so what I want to ask you is, what are you focusing on for 2024? Because uh, I asked that, even though we're still in 2023, because if you focus in January 2024, we're already behind the ball. Yep. Right, like you should have been thinking about doing something. And if you're listening down, you're like, "Shit, I procrastinated." You, I promise you, there's a significant amount of listeners right now that are in the exact same boat as you, procrastinating right along with you. Sure, 2024 is not the year to to be doing that. So you need to get your shit together and put a plan in place. Right. So my hope with you, Claire, was to say, "Hey, what are some of the things that you're focusing on from an operational standpoint, from a leadership standpoint, from a marketing standpoint, maybe even a little bit of uh of a um." of a, a recruiting standpoint too, yeah. which is the landscape's even changing a little bit there. But to start off with, from an operational, with your operational hat on, mm-hmm. what are the things that you at Standard are going to focus on going into 2024? Well, when we talk about this conversation, it isn't, there's no magic thing I'm about to tell you. Frankly, these are things that you should be doing, whether you expect a really good year or the big R, right? The recession. So, um, we got to kind of look at it with both those hats on. Like it's going to be our best year yet, and maybe it won't be. Yep. So operationally, uh, you already should know your numbers. You know, your team should know their role. Keep it simple, right? Like do people understand what they do to win the day every day? You know, you also have to have uh, cash management. Do you know your financial position, right? Like operationally, how are you running your business? We have daily cash management in my business, uh, so you really need to take stock of that now and understand what position you're in coming into the new year. Hey, really quick. I'm going to stop you. And I know I'm going to f- jack up your flow. No, that's okay. When you say cash management, there's some yeah. listeners right here that have no idea what the hell you're talking about. You know what they're thinking is like, Revenue. do I have money? Do I not have money? You know, like they're not really thinking about cash management mm-hmm. high level. What are you talking about? Yeah. You need to know what brings money into your business. Understand that the actual physical cash you have is different than revenue. hundred percent. So, and it's different than profit. Yep. So we look every single day. I know how much cash is in the bank. That's what you need to understand. So in case you don't hit the, Hey, it's really great. And you hit the big R you're like, Oh shit. I have some cash to sustain that. And that would be before I lean on credit, right. Or before I had take on further debt, how much cash do I have? And so at any given time, you should be working through what your run rate is of using that cash. Right. So like, how much are you bringing in when you get lean? Like, you know, how much you're going to be earning on a regular basis to understand where your business is fiscally. <laughs> so there's a lot of people out there that, you know, operate with quite a bit of debt and don't understand that they're not really bringing in the cash they need to pay that debt off in an appropriate manner. And if, you know, big recession comes, that's going to sneak up on you and start to paralyze your business real quick. Yeah. And then the mistake you make is when it's too late. Correct. And most of the time, by that point, you haven't seen it coming. You know, people don't see it until it's already there. And it's like, oh, we can't purchase anymore. We can't take any more credit. And that is not a place you want to be in. So understanding what brings cash in and monitoring how much cash you actually have every day. Got it. So, and don't let your, you know, if if you collect from customers, not at time of delivery, you might want to examine that process. We're COD, COD all day, every day. So our, you know, we do a service, we're collecting right there. And that's the business you want to be in. SmartAC.com, SmartAC.com. If you haven't heard of it, you better find out. If you haven't implemented it, you better check it out. You have to get started doing something. 2024 is going to be an absolute battlefield. What are you doing differently than your competitors? You need to make sure that your memberships are sticky. SmartAC.com does that. 
lifetime warranty, insurance savings, filter discounts, 24-7 monitoring that lets you know about problems before the homeowner might even know about the problem, live tech chat, service providers, all of this with smartac.com. You've got to check it out now. So, yeah, cash on demand, baby. Let's go. Yep. Uh, yeah. um, when I started the business, it was just my wife and I, um, and we didn't have money. Like, thankfully, digital marketing was pretty scary in 08 still. Yeah. Um, but we did what we could do, and that was charge up front. Absolutely. To then take and pump back into the business to do the work. Well, and don't be afraid to be what you're worth, right? Like people are so afraid, you know, I'm having these conversations with my suppliers, which is something I would recommend people have, right? Like what is next year going to look like? And the thing is, I'm not afraid of a price increase as long as everybody's getting a price increase and the consumer will pay me. The moment the consumer won't pay me anymore, now I have a problem and I better make that a problem for my manufacturer, right? So like you have to be a bit of a shark in the water when it comes to that and play no games with your suppliers in that way. Yeah, but also I'll, I'll piggyback on this because I'll be curious to see how you handle the situation. Yeah. Because I've been in so many of these conversations where I've actually sat at the table with my contractors and the supplier at the same time. Awkward conversations <laughs> I've been sitting in. Um, some with really aggressive players, mm-hmm. big, big players who know they can push their way around. Um, but plenty with mom and pops as we were building the business. I'm still a fan of one. You got to be incredibly respectful to get your way. Like you could be an asshole if you want to, but you know, maybe, maybe be a little bit nicer. You can be stern and, and professional and nice. Don't be an asshole. Like don't be an asshole. Why would I, I would be like, I don't want to help you. This guy's a dick. But unless you're like writing, you know, you're, buying three million dollars that you like you even if you are though right like there's still like what do you want to be known for right like you got to make that decision when you own a business or run a business or in a position of leadership sit down if you've never done that exercise and like write it down and one of the things i want to be known for is being fair and being respectful to the end right like if it pains me i'm going to be respectful because that's how i want to be treated it's how i want to do business that's what i want to be known for so I think, you know, you got to make those decisions too. And whether you're coming into a year that you expect to be amazing or not, that leadership side's pretty critical as well. But so I'm not going to let you segue there yet. Yeah. Okay. So I told you I was going to jack up the flow a little bit Yeah. Um, because we're talking about the financial side of it. So on the operation side back yeah. there, yep. what, what else, what else are you, what else are you preparing for, for 25? Yeah. Um, you know, we have a staffing plan too. We've just sat down and done some workforce management. Uh, so planning, right? Like everybody wants to hire and add people. And so when we look at all the roles we want to add, then what we do is we go back and say, well, how are our processes? Well, you can't even get there until you forecast though, right? Well, yes. And you no. have an idea of who you need to hire, but based on historical information or what? Yeah. So yes and no, like we know where the pain points are in our business, right? Like, oh, we're not able to process as many jobs. Oh, you know, uh, our, we have a pain point with install capacity. Oh, you know, we're getting more customer demand over here than we can meet. I mean, those are things that you can look at without having a solid forecast yet. And that's one of my big things uh, that I talk to people about is like, you can data yourself to death in this process. Um, data is a, it is a piece of information. Uh, but if you sit there and get lost in all of your forecasting pretty soon, you're not even going to make a move. It's called analysis paralysis. Yeah. And it's real. So, you know, just go ask your people what's hard about your job, right? Where are we not serving the customer? They will tell you where you need to add or change something. And so that's when we workforce plan, like, yes, we do have some budget in front of us, but I want to know without the numbers, if you could have anything you want, what is it? right? Because then we look and we say, well, how do we make it happen? So 
be careful that you don't budget and forecast and then like, you know, hold yourself to something that actually hinders your business. That's good. You said something in there that I would just want to hit on really quick. I think, um, you'll listen to your people. Yeah. You have to give them a safe space to be able to share information with you. That's like raw, yep. but, but then not, they, they, you might not know that it's them, mm-hmm. you know, cause that's when you get the real stuff from them. Um, and, and we go through that. I think I shared this on a couple of podcasts ago, but at Rhino, we do the same thing where we get do it right, wrong, missing, confusing. And they basically have freedom to say, here's what we do right. Here's what we do wrong. Here's what's missing. Here's what's confusing. And yeah. it kind of sucks to go through wrong, missing and confusing, but it actually gives the rest of the staff a voice and we learn things. Mm-hmm. So you have to be open to doing that. No matter what size of business you are, by the way, you have, you have to be doing those things. Well, and two things on that one feedback's a gift. Like just teach people to look at it that way. It's how you take it, like how you receive it. Cause you can be like your walls up and you're like, oh, they don't, I mean, maybe they don't understand the, you know, what's behind X, Y, Z decision. Right. And that's okay. Yep. And so that's where, if it's a gift, all you're doing is all you have to do is receive it. You don't have to agree with it. You don't have to disagree with it. You don't have to unwrap it new and awe around it. Thank you so much for that. And then go on your way and you can think about it later. Yeah. Right? And then be thankful that you don't know who wrote it. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> they're probably thankful you don't know who wrote exactly. it. Um, you know, but the other thing is you can't forget that they're the ones who serve the customer. You know, once you're in leadership or when you own the business, you're not in the front line anymore. And so to think that you have all those answers, like you're already behind if that's the place that you are. So you have to listen or your business will not be nearly what it could be. Got it. So I want to ask you something still on the operational yeah. side, but, but around training. Yeah. So um, a, a lot of what I said from, uh, main stage a couple weeks ago at home service freedom, and it's kind of the same narrative I've been sharing is, mm-hmm. uh, regardless of size of business, where you're at in business, it doesn't matter. Maybe your, maybe what your plan is for 2024 is just like getting your shit together. Yeah. Like maybe it's just tightening the ship, working on the things that you can do. Uh, maybe it's continuously like adding, you know, continuously training or adding training, um, are you, do you continue to train frequently? And I'm not talking like just technically, is there all kinds of different trainings that you're training that you're doing? hundred percent. So actually right now, my leaders are finalizing their 12 month training calendar for the next year. So they try to stay, you know, have a year at a glance and then stay six months ahead on that. And it includes everything. It is, you know, problem solving meetings. It is technical training. It's soft skills training. It's process training, right? Cause you got to kind of tell everyone everything every six months or everybody forgets. Everybody loves soft skills training. Yeah. That's their favorite. <laughs> Uh, but when you're doing it with them, right, that's when they see like, oh, there's real value. And yeah. that's where we bring data in to show them differences in performance and customer feedback. And that's when we usually get buy into that part of the training. That's great. So because we were talking, I mean, this is a great segue into your leadership training, too. So mm-hmm. is there anything in particular like that you use for leadership training? And by the way, before you answer that question, I'm going to give you a minute to think about that answer. Um, the uh, w- I learned from um, a guy named Howard Bihar, who I had on the podcast, who was at Rhino X last year, who was a former president of Starbucks. So him and Howard Schultz were the one that yeah, okay. blew, blew that thing up. Okay. How they would have the, you call it janitor. I'm not sure that you can, I'm not, I'm not sure what's socially acceptable. Can I call somebody a janitor right now? Uh, custodian. Custodian, I think. Thank you. Custodian probably. would take leadership training. Well, they would give them leadership training to help them think like a leader. So, hey, yep. maybe it's not, maybe you use a little bit uh, bigger of a mop, a little bit bigger of a broom because it makes you more efficient. You sweep faster, you all those things. Like, sounds kind of silly, but I'm a big fan of, have, of, of giving your employees the opportunity for leadership training regardless of position because it yep. makes you think differently. Do you guys have something that you use normally or regularly that you've, whether it be you or you've done for any of your leadership or anybody in the company? 
Yeah. So there's a couple of organizations, you know, we're part of an industry group called Next Star. Right. And so they have some excellent leadership training that they put together. And so I send people through that. Now you're a board member. Did you bring any of that stuff in or no? <laughs> did, I did, did not. Did you get some input to it? I did not. I'm a relatively new board member. So, oh, so you got to wait your me. turn. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, okay. I know. I got to wait my turn. Got it. You know, just joined, but ask me in a year. Um, <laughs> uh, but there's some excellent books out there. You know, I do like a book club with people at our business. Uh, and so the five levels of leadership is one I recommend to everyone. Um, there's other trainings like institutions like Dale Carnegie has excellent training all over the world, yep. actually, um, just how to interact with people, we you know. It personal leadership. So there are, are resources like that. And then all the industry groups out there, even other than Nexstar. I think the focus everywhere is on leadership because you do not have to be in a position of leadership to execute on leadership. And actually I would argue that leadership is more about being a good follower than being a good leader. Yeah, that's a good clip. So I just gave him the look like clip it. So we're going to, you're going to be posting that one on social media, by the way. That's a great, that's actually real. I mean, the, the reason I think it's so important is people get wrapped up in this thought of you only train leaders. That's not actually like you have to get a leader to be a leader or train them on how to be a leader. Yeah. And by the way, not all the best players are great coaches, right? So sometimes you can have great employees who maybe they're not good managers, but maybe they're good leaders. Maybe they're good leaders and not managers. And that comes back to operationally. Do people know their role? right? Like, do they understand how to win the day? And part of winning the day is either setting their team up for success, setting their leader up for success. I mean, those are things that people have to be very clear on and you should be prepping for 2024. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Yeah. yeah I, uh, am, um, I've said this all the time. Everybody in my company knows it. I'm not a great manager of people, hmm. not because I don't really care about people. Cause I do. I'm a very empathetic guy. I care about people. I get that from you. That's why I'm like, hey, you need somebody better than me to be your manager. Like, let me do my thing up here and create opportunity for you to grow, but I'm not mm -hmm. a great manager of people. Ryan knows. I've managed Ryan for a long time. Ryan, am I a great manager? <laughs> he says so, so. <laughs> Actually, I believe you because he, he would speak the truth to me. Um, again, it's just, it's, I know what I'm good at and what I'm not good at. I know what, how to stay in my lane, you know? Um, and I think that you also have to, you know, even if you're not in a leadership role and you aspire to be a leader, maybe you don't even know if you want to be a leader. I would still encourage you to take some sort of leadership training to, th to challenge yourself to think differently. Yeah. It's all about the perspective you bring and changing that perspective and growing that is critical for anybody's future. And holding yourself accountable, like, you know, to some 100%. sort of like, you know, if you put a plan in place for it and you can, you can execute X, Y, Z, um, hold yourself accountable or find somebody to hold you accountable. Well, and there's a difference between being held accountable and being responsible. Right. So like my argument to that is like, actually, I want to hire a bunch of responsible individuals because then I don't need to hold them accountable. That's not where my time needs to be. So, you know, I think when people go through leadership training, it's about figuring out what sets them up for success to get done the things that they say they're going to do or to show up in a certain way. And then no one else has to breathe down their neck to watch to make them do it. That worked out good, didn't it? That was a good segue. Nice great. job. We're working out. This is working out really great. Right fantastic. Now. We I should do this it. more often. No, shit. You're pretty good. <laughs> Uh, okay, so I am going to segue into marketing because you know, I actually, I, I own a digital marketing company. I rarely ever talk about it on the podcast. Uh, been around for a little bit. Got yeah. quite a few hundreds of contractors as clients. Uh, done a few things, but I'm always curious to kind of know from your perspective. I mean, you're, you're in a, a, a market that is, can get really gnarly, really yes. cold. I've spent some shitty winters up there and got stuck there so many times uh, in the cities. But there also can be some gnarly summers up there too, which is great. So you can kind of you kind of get all four seasons, but you can get both majors. Yep. Like whereas here in the valley, we have like 
summer and spring, (laughs) you know, like really, really hot in spring. Yeah. Um, A really nice spring, by the way. But uh, from a marketing perspective, you know, thinking about um, regardless of of what's going on in the market, if the market's unstable, regardless of the size of the business, you always have to be marketing your business Mm -hmm. or yourself or both. 100%. In some way. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the things that you guys focus on uh, from a marketing standpoint or what you're going to be focusing on in 2024 knowing like, hey, these are some of the blocking attack that we know we have to do. Yeah. And the first point I would make on what you just said is actually that like, let's say things get bad. There are two things you should double down on. One, you got to make sure your website's optimized at all times. We do that monthly. And never stop your branding and awareness because there's often more bang for your buck there. Like if you have to cut something, do not cut your branding and awareness. You will be in more places that people are uh, and you will get more for that money. So I just got to throw that out there as we're prepping for the year. But when we uh, look at 2024, uh, we spent this year actually diving into who our customers are. Not like who's out there for us to go get, but the people that have actually done business with us over the last three to five years, who are they? And we had not spent as much time doing that before. So we learned what segment of the market we already like really own. And then we learned, well, okay, where can we go get some more, right? Because everybody wants to grow. And so next year we uh, have aligned our strategy with taking in customers primarily actually in like the 30 to 45 age range, because we're pretty solid above that. And what we also know is that there's a generation coming that uses TikTok like Google. And so we're looking ahead to say, as uh, consumers age into buying our product, how can we already be there for them? So more of our focus is on that. And we've started to do some things, like we partnered with a local sports team. Uh, We've got radio broadcasting. We're actually in the top performing segments um, uh, or top performing uh, broadcasts for all age groups. Uh, there's a variety of things that we're doing in order to reach multicultural and multi-age customers. Like marketing is such a dance. Oh, yeah. um, I'm a, the first thing you said is absolute fact. Branding has never been more important. By the way, the better your brand, typically the lower the cost per lead, right? Because now you've got good brand equity. Every time we see we run a digital marketing campaign for somebody who has solid branding, it's always got better conversion rates, things like that. So mm-hmm. Branding has never been more important um, and it's only going to be more like more important. So if you only focused on that, like do that too. Um, But from a marketing perspective too, I I don't do anything in traditional. I never have done anything in traditional. I'm not going to say I never will. Um, Mm -hmm. There could be a world where I do it. Threat acquisition opportunity comes up. Maybe I'll snag it up. I don't know. We'll see. Sounds like an unnecessary distraction to me because digital is hard enough. Um, But at least I can know if I spend a dollar, I know exactly what I get in return for each contractor and then ultimately what they sold or didn't sell, how they performed, the contractor performed. So it's a really well-oiled machine, but we have a lot of trust. But the point being is I've tried so many things over the years Mm -hmm. for install campaigns, for service campaigns, install campaigns when it's 10 degrees out, 20, 30, 40, 50. I mean, I'm talking thousands and thousands of ad variations to try and figure out how can I squeeze an extra 50 cents out of a, out of a cost per lead, you know, and to learn those things. And, and, and a lot of times the financing offers work. I'll always say, I think the two, the two best call to actions from the, from my perspective, the digital marketing perspective is speed to service. Uh, If you can legit do same day, like that's a game changer. Um, If you can do next day, that's still good too, but you gotta legit actually be able to do those things. Um, also financing offers are great. I love getting financing offers because people can relate to the car model, you know, as low as, 
Um, but those are two really good call to actions that I'm a big fan of using to leverage, especially when somebody says, Chris, you know, we're on the three day board, we're light on, you know, uh, service leads. What can we do? Mm-hmm. Um, then I know what ads that we can launch, whether you're in Minnesota, Arizona, uh, South Carolina, California, don't matter. Yep. But that's 16 years of learning this shit, right. To figure out what to do. Mm-hmm. So from your perspective on what you've learned in your market, um, what are some other, like, what are some good call to actions or some things that you guys have used been successful? Um, like, you know, I, I talk about this, like my buddy, Chad Peterman in Indianapolis uses this free furnishing. Well, not everybody has the free furnishing like figured out, but that's his like go-to and yep. it works well for him, but there's a process built around it, but it works well for him. Do you guys have like a specific call to action or, or type of offering that you like to, to run that's helpful for you guys? So I will say, by the way, on the free furnace or the buy one, get one, right? That's very popular in our market. And I think that works for some contractors. We typically don't go that route. Uh, We tend to do large discounts or quick service types of uh, calls to action. But for us, it really has been a play on brand and name, you know, longevity in the market. So we find that if we offer a discount, it's more about just getting the phone to ring. And once customers reach us, they're more open to exploring what it is they want. It isn't really about a timeline or a discount specifically. And that's us finding the right kind of customer. Got it. So I'm a big believer in um, like, well, I live in a world of conversions is the only thing that really matters. Yep. Um, So my job is to get them to stop looking elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And then your job is to get them to stop looking elsewhere, right? Correct. After I do my job, checking the box, which is why I love the financing offers. Because once somebody, if you if you can, if they search for AC installation or AC companies and they come into the installation page and they and they fill out the, the uh, credit check from the privacy of their own home. So if it fails, they're not embarrassed. Yep. But what's nice is if you get a pre-approval amount before you walk in the house, the homeowner's already down the path. The sales process has already begun. So the odds of you not closing it, very slim. Very slim. Right. Unless you, unless you mess it up. And that's a fact. And today it still works just as good as it did a decade ago. Yeah, I agree. So, so, but getting in the home is the, is like the win. You got to get in there. And that's really what our advertising is about at this point. If, if, you know, you've got your branding and then you've got your like make the phone ring and really it's a deal. People still look for a deal, even if that's not ultimately once they sign the piece of paper, what they were asking for, that seems to be who they're basing, who they call on. Perception is reality. Yeah. Yeah. So the, you know, specials and offerings are always like clutch when it comes to call to action. So if you have a website right now too, and and let's say you've got no marketing budget whatsoever because you're just trying to do it yourself or you have somebody that you can help with you. Mm -hmm. If you have an option for financing, whether it's through service finance, it's through whoever, doesn't matter, good leap, whoever you got, Wells Fargo, and they can get you a a link for the people to get pre-approved, put it on your site. People will use it. All right. But um, also where you have a significant advantage is if you can legit do same day service, like that's game changer because speed is a necessity. Yeah. And so we actually reserve spots in our schedule for that, right? So like, as we're scheduling people out, it's like we have same day for service, for tune-ups, for sales and install. And it is a game changer. That is what will get you the margins that you need to continue forward. Yeah. So interesting. I mean, it's hard when you're a small contractor too, because you kind of got to like take what you can, you can get, you know, when you're just trying to like do things, so, but when you put yourself in the position, you know, to be able to do same day or even next day, like it's a, it's a big one. Phoenix, Arizona, if it's 115 degrees and my air conditioning goes out and I got to wait two days, like I'm not even staying at my house. Well, but so you said something key there, right? Like put yourself in a position. So whether you're a one person truck, you know, two trucks, 50 trucks, like you still got to be intentional about it. 
And I think you can take a customer and by assessing their urgency, like you can still place them on your schedule in a way that might set you up to still have room to do some other same day. So don't just take what you can get, right? Still be intentional with what shows up. Got it. And there's a way that you can also, even if you are booked out, still get them locked in by putting them on like a VIP wait list, especially like there's tactics you can use to show to, you know, to get them to check the box and move on from finding someone else. Well, and other things too, right? Like if you maybe have a couple people that work with you or slightly larger, get them another service in the meantime, right? Like they're waiting for replacement, get them a duck cleaning, you know, things like that, that can keep them hooked on your business. So they, they are willing to wait and I'll give you the room to do other same days. Love it. Okay. So I'm going to pivot yep. because we're probably like 45 minutes in this thing. Okay. See fast. Goes fast. Super fast. Um, and I love asking anybody this question too. And I hope that you're super open about it. Um, and I feel like you will be super honest. Maybe I have to ask you the question twice to get you all the way down the path, but okay. I'll do, I'm willing to do that. Okay. But what are like some of the most, like you, you went through what I'm calling the unicorn years, which are the last three years for the trades. Yeah. Um, and, and people get stuck on using that as the comparison. Mm. Um, and you don't think about what business looked like in 18 and 19 pre uh, the unicorn years. And that can serve you negatively because you are now comparing yourself to this fantastic, you know, that time that was not normal. So you have been in the business even before that, got a good look at what the business looked like before that. You went through it. We're coming into this harder market. What are some of the most critical lessons that you learned along the way that maybe our listeners can relate to? Yeah. Couple. So the first one's a big leadership one. It's that you really need to define reality for people. And I have spent this year doing that because this year did not look like the last three years. It looked like years past. Right. And so, you know, really educating people, helping them learn how to think about what the world really looks like right now is important. Now, at the same time, I think it's a leader's responsibility to like not lose hope or yeah. let people lose hope. And so you have to be optimistic too, which leads into the other lesson of you have to believe that the future is going to be better than today. And you have to act like it right now. You have to make decisions right now based on that. So don't stop investing in your people. Don't stop planning for success, right? Because if you do, you'll be behind the eight ball. And before you know it, you'll go backwards. So those are a couple of things. Um, another critical lesson I would say is you have to become a path to yes. So, you know, when you realize that you don't know everything and you need to listen to your people and you got to ask for their feedback, they're going to come to you with stuff and they're going to have ideas that are way better than yours. And instead of shutting them down or just know that's not possible, you got to help them understand what would make it possible so that they don't just give up and lose hope and leave your business, Right. And so if you can become a path to yes person, you're going to capitalize on the good times and you will make it through the tough times. That was great. Path to yes. Yep. Okay. Love it. So, so to, without running the risk of going too far down the path on this. So I, you had, I had two other questions I was going to ask, but then my ADHD kicked in and I forgot both of them. Very yellow. In that you. one thing. Yeah. It's very, it's very comedy. My wife's always like, how can you remember that this person that you met 15 years ago at this show, but then you can't remember what I just told you five minutes ago. My brain doesn't work that way. I'll forgive I don't know how you. it works. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> so before I ask you the closing question, I just want to ask you this part because for myself, I'm a, it's not on your, it's, I didn't even talk to you about this, so it's going to be something new for you. Um, but uh, I'm a very uh, goal-driven individual. Like I like to accomplish things and I, I set a goal and I just kind of refuse, put the blinders on and you go after it and you attack it. And they've changed over the years. Like I had some set plans, things I wanted to do. Um, but I always 
have to accomplish my goal one way or the other. You know, took me a little bit longer for some of them to get it done, but I'm just a very goal-driven person. But there's still a few things that I haven't I haven't done yet that I want to do. I'm 44. So, you know, I have this like, hey, I'm in this weird phase of my life, you know, of like, you know, what's like, what should I keep? You know, what do I got to go after next? It doesn't always have to be professionally, by the way. Me personally, it can yeah. be both, whatever. But do you have some things that you haven't accomplished yet? Like, is there anything that you're like, hey, like, I wanted to do this, but I haven't got there yet? Or do you have a plan to hit something? Because, you know, regret is nothing that I want to be able to live with. And I got to try and do some of these things while I'm still able-bodied, you know, and yeah. still have, or in my right mind, which I'm hoping is for a long time. But do you have anything right now that you haven't accomplished yet that's like on your radar? You know, there's probably a lot more than I can think of at this moment, just because <laughs> you asked me this question right now. Um, but yeah, a couple of them come to mind. You know, I've spent a lot of years working on this business or to get to this point. And when I got here, it kind of hit me like, wow, what do I do now? <laughs> you know, because I spent all the time trying to get here. Um, and I haven't built a family. And that's something that I would like to do. And that maybe is a little bit different considering that I'm a female that maybe a male counterpart of mine wouldn't necessarily think the same about. Sure. Uh, so that's something on the personal side that I'd like to accomplish. You know, professionally, I want to grow the heck out of my business. I want it to be multiple times bigger than it is now. And I think we can do it. Um, you know, every day I run this business, it's the biggest I've biggest business I've ever run. Uh, so I'm learning along the way. But, um, you know, something I haven't done is run a $100 million company. And someday I'd like to. Straight organic? Because... <laughs> You might be waiting a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, not necessarily straight organic. There's a lot of ways to get there. There's a lot of ways to get there. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Well, number one, like on the family side of things, it makes everything that you're doing on the professional side significantly better. Uh, from yep. my opinion, I have four kids. Um, not that they want anything to do with my business, um, but they benefit from it. Sure. You know, and we do a, kind of like you too, we do a ton of uh, giving back, you know, like a lot of community service, a lot of things together. I mean, myself and my family, we've built like eight homes in Mexico, like to get done those things together. So Building the business allows you opportunity to, to to not only just give back to like the greater good of, of things, but to the, the people in the business, too, including yourself. Well, and so my family has always talked about it as like the business is a source of good and we shouldn't be here if it can't continue to be. And that's personal and professional. And so, you know, we look at like we have a mission to make lives better through the practice of our trade. And so the community around us actually has to benefit, right? Whether you're a customer, a vendor, you live nearby. And the moment that stops being true, I don't want any part of it anymore. That's good. Cause that's part of who you are. Yeah. Like, that's part of like your purpose of the yep. business. Yep. Yep. Purpose of my it. life. Really? That's yeah. super cool. So I can, I can respect that. And that's something easy for everybody to get behind. Right. Cause it's yeah. kind of like, you know what? She sucks. She wants to help people, <laughs> but you know, you what, know what? Though? I'm out. It's easy to say you, you really have to live it. And, uh, you know, that comes back to like your values and you don't really know what those are until they cost you. Right. So it's like, you have to be willing to give up some profit or give up, you know, some time or give up, you know, something, uh, in order for that to really be true. Yep. And I know that sometimes it's hard when you hear her say, give up some profit. When, when you're, when you are running lean, mm -hmm. call it running lean, that sounds like a bad decision. Cause you're like, Oh my goodness. But I'm telling you, like I ran lean and still gave up, like gave up, you know, I still yep. made sure I made the right donations and it panned out. Like, it will come back to you. Doing good is good business. 100%. Doing good is good business. Dave Geiger told me that back in the day. He's a smart man. He is a smart dude. Uh, he's no longer on the board, right? He, I think he left. He's, he's just recently he's transitioned exiting. off. Yeah. Good for you, Dave. I love DG. <laughs> He'll be at Rhino X. Um, okay, so last thing I'm going to ask you, okay? Yeah. 
Um, this has been great, by the way. I think so. so. I'm glad. If it wasn't, would you have told me on air? Yeah. I believe you. I mean, you did mess up my name and my dad's name, That's but true. we moved on. Shit, I did mess up both those, and I'm going to leave them for you all. So you heard it. It was real. Um, final advice, okay? Mm-hmm. So we talked about, you know, a lot of the listeners are procrastinators and haven't done things yet. There's also quite a few that probably have got their plan, their, their annual planning in place. Um, but what is, let's just go ahead and, and maybe share this for more of the um, the procrastinators. Yeah. Um. What should they be, like, we're, we still have the month of December left. Uh, so this thing airs at the end of, the, of November. We have the month of December left. What should these procrastinators spend the remainder of the, the year focusing on? Not everything, but, like, no. what are some, like, key things like, hey, I'm 11 months in. What should, I even be, what should I even be focusing on right now? Well, the year's not over. I'm not saying it just has to be for December, right? It could be teeing you up, you know, like for the, the beginning half of the year, Q1. But like, yeah. what is some good advice for those procrastinators? Yeah, well, so first thing is you want to finish this year strong. So you can't get complacent and suddenly like not look at December, right? Every day, what's win the day? What do your numbers need to be? What's success, right? Who needs coaching right now? What needs to change? So um, that's something that I see people do is they get really complacent. So that's how to finish the year strong. And that's pretty simple, okay? Bring it back to basics. What do you got to do to win the day? Um, in terms of looking to 2024, you know, if you haven't even started doing that, that's okay. You still have time, uh, in the, you know, realm of not doing everything. I want you to think about it this way. Is it better than before? And is it good enough for now? So put together a rough budget for next year, right? Think about Q1, how to be profitable in Q1. You know, what major tasks do you have to get done? If you haven't thought at all about 24, that's where I would start because that's going to be here before you know it. Um, and even just having some rough numbers is going to give people a mission. And so keep it simple. I like it. So, and you don't have to overcomplicate it cause that's typically what we do. We Correct. overcomplicate things and then you get yourself into this, like I have all these ideas and then you make zero decision and mm-hmm. you just kind of do the status quo. Hence the, is it good enough for now? And is it better than before? Love it. What got you here? Might not get you there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. Did you have fun? Was this a good time? This was great. This time. is probably your favorite podcast you've ever done, right? Other than that, it's like a hundred nope, degrees is probably in this the room. Fa- yeah, it is a little toasting here. <laughs> but yes, this you is should, my favorite you, podcast. You of all should time. be on my side in the black shirt. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah, it's a little. I got long sleeves here. on though. You'd think I know somebody who could fix my damn air conditioning in the podcast room. Good grief! Might want to work on that. Some of those that are listening right now, I'm going to get text messages guaranteed on like, "Hey, what can I do for you?" Please, you didn't, you didn't ask him. me. Yeah, please, if you oh. could get your ass in here, I really appreciate that. Our guests would really appreciate that to come in studio because it's still 150 degrees in here in November <laughs> in Arizona. <laughs> Well, thanks for taking the time to fly all the way down here just to see me. That was very thoughtful of you. Anytime. <laughs> and, you know, uh, you know, your trip down here would have been a little bit shorter if uh, Jason didn't forget a zero in the, uh, in the navigation and take you down to the ghetto. So you made it, though. Yeah, it was it, eventful, sightseeing. It's going to be a shorter drive back. That's the good news. That's the good news. So I appreciate you coming on here and sharing your story, sharing some of the time with us. I'm glad we got to meet. This was great. This is part of what's cool for me yeah. on the podcast. I get to meet so many new people. And even though I've known of the business since I very first started, yeah. I'd never met you. Yeah. Wonderful to meet you. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm glad that you're here. So listeners, she said a few key things I want to share with you. Um, and that is, you heard her say, win the day. Like, And what winning the day can be is like, you just sat there and thought about what should I do for 2024? Like that is the win of the day. Um, you know, there's a path to yes. 
Um, make sure you figure out what the hell your purpose is if you don't know, by the way. Because yes, you might be in heating, air conditioning, or plumbing, or electrical, roofing, whatever the hell it is, but that's what you do. It's not who you are. What is it that you, what's the purpose behind the business? Know your numbers. Even if they're just close, start to figure out what the hell your numbers because it's easy for Claire to say, hey, well, I know what my, I need, I know what my numbers need to be each day. Get yourself there to figure out what do you need to do each day. Don't just look at your bank account. That's not what we're talking about. Okay. You got to be doing something. Um, I'm a big believer too of, you know, when you go into the end of the year, the holidays can be, if you've had a rough year, can be depressing for a lot of people. Um, I think mental health is like a big deal. Um, and here's what I would ask you to do. Um, just think about the step-by-step process, meaning a lot of marathon runners, and I don't do that shit, by the way, like marathon runners, ultra marathon runners, all these guys are running like ridiculous, you know, lengths. But they even, they say, hey, at one point, all I'm literally th- counting is my steps. And that's what gets me the last like five miles. So I'm counting one, two, three, four. Maybe that's what you need to do in your business is just start counting your steps. So don't make it such a big, like a big mountain in that day that you need to accomplish X, Y, Z. Maybe it's just you didn't hit the fucking snooze button and you got out of bed, you know, and instead of you know, sleeping back in. Maybe that's the win for the day. It's uh, little things like that that can start to help boost your confidence or just like dig you out of the hole. And by the way, if you're listening to the podcast, you're clearly trying to figure some shit out in your business. There's plenty of people who will come alongside you and help you. You don't need to feel ashamed about it. Like plenty of people who can accomplish these things. So we bring on folks on here to try and share some of the tactics that they've done. It may be a fit for you. It might not be a fit for you. Something in there might work. Something might not. But I can tell you this. If you do nothing, nothing's going to work. So you have to do something. So whether it's what Claire's done or any of the other guests have done or any of these other companies have done that you've heard on this podcast, you don't have to do everything, but you got to do something. No zero days. Listeners, thank you so much again for listening to this podcast week after week. We are extremely grateful. Again, the whole purpose of this podcast is to give back to the home services industry that we love so much, whether you're a rhino or not. We really, really appreciate all the subscribers. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please go in and subscribe and you'll get all the episodes sent to you automatically weekly. Also, we have really enjoyed your feedback. Uh, It's so meaningful for us when we get to read the nice comments that you guys put. So keep doing that. If you don't know how to do it, Here's what you got to do. You search for To The Point Home Services on Apple Podcasts. You click on our profile, scroll all the way down to the bottom and hit write a review and be honest and share your story and how the podcast has impacted you and your business. Thanks again from the bottom of our hearts at To The Point Home Services Podcast. We appreciate you.